Hey everyone, this is Greg, your host of Goddamn GameCube. Thank you for tuning in to Season 2. All episodes in this season were conducted virtually over the internet because of the coronavirus pandemic, so please excuse any audio glitches or oddities you may hear during these episodes. Thank you and enjoy. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Goddamn GameCube, the best goddamn video game podcast there is. And we are in for some unique programming today. I unfortunately was a GameStop employee for about five years of my life, and Nick and Beppy are here with me, and they are going to interview me about my career. Um, The internet loves to hate on GameStop. They're so curious about what it's like to work there, and I'm here to tell it all. I'm going to leave it all out there. So uh, we also took questions uh, from our fans in the comments, so uh, hopefully we can get to most of them or all of them. So... Beppy, why don't you take it? And I want to make sure you guys know I have not seen these questions yet. Nick and Beppy have organized them and I have not seen them. So we're going to go fresh. Beppy, take it. Yes. So we actually, I believe this this kind of episode has been in the works for a while. Uh, we, we briefly flirted with the idea of it being a traditional panel of uh, for gaming retail in general, uh, just um, to share everybody's perspective. But it, it came down to, I think this is the best kind of just to get get straight to the answers let's let's you know let's cut to the core here and hear it all from someone who was inside and i I just thought it was a really nice idea that you guys had because it involves our fans who we love and it also involves our friends who we love and and they have uh some really fun stuff um the way basically for greg for your understanding the way i've structured it is that we're going to start out with some some very kind of straightforward fact-based questions uh, for the most part, um, just about your perspective, the in- industry, uh, the fan questions are kind of seeded through. Then we're going to have a couple fun questions, which are kind of a little sillier, uh, some kind of pr- uh, personal stories and, and whatnot with that. And then we're going to wrap it up with some current events. So uh, let's get right to it. Oh, boy. Jump into part one, the tough questions. OK, so before we get too far, what do you think would surprise most people about your time there? So I worked there from 2010 to 2015. I don't remember exactly like what what part of the year I left. I was able to play anything whenever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had this uh, system. I think they called it merching a game out. It was something like that where I could take any game, whether it was new or used, and I could rent it out for free and play it. So during that time, I played everything. Like that's why I... I think I became, I don't want to, I'm not like a supreme knowledge on video games, but you know, I'm not, I'm not more knowledgeable than people who work on them, but I was able to get a really, maybe a wide lens of a lot of games because I didn't have to buy them. Like there was a long period of time where I didn't, I didn't buy anything because I could play it for free. Um, So I think that would probably surprise people where I could play games brand new, open the box and take it. I actually have a quick follow up question because I didn't anticipate uh, an element of your answer there. You said new and used. So did they were they pretty generous with that? Was there just kind of like a few copies that would be on resale right away? 
Yeah, so as far as I remember, if you were renting out a brand new game, we had to have extras in stock. Like if people pre-ordered one, you obviously couldn't open it. Yeah. Um, but if we had plenty of extras, we could open the we could open the box and, and rent the game new. And I I can't recall exactly how long you could rent it for. I think it was four days. Right. And the on the the reason why you could do that is GameStop doesn't care if the game's seal is 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 open. They don't care about the plastic because they use these little stickers to reseal the game. Does that make sense? Like the, yeah. uh, they don't care if you break the cellophane or you break okay. the plastic. They have stickers to reseal games. It's how they get away with selling them brand new even though it looks like it's been opened. That's really interesting. I had no idea. Um, Nick, would you mind taking the next question? <laughs> I would love to take the next question. It's a fan question. <laughs> yeah, the next question is from a fan. This is from Roger. Now, Greg, uh, is it true that to work at GameStop, you have to sign away a portion of your soul? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when, when I started working there, I think when I was uh, 18 or uh, somewhere around there, and you think, oh my God, I get to work with video games. Oh my goodness. And then you realize that you shouldn't have left your job at the grocery store because GameStop <laughs> is going to pay you even less and give you even fewer hours and you're going to make even less money. So if oh you God. consider that signing away your soul, then yeah. Or it's just a stupid decision. Like, don't work there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg, I remember this. Now, uh, if people who don't know this, me and Greg are brothers. Mm -hmm. So I do remember Greg's decision to leave the grocery store and go work at GameStop. And, uh, uh, oops. Oops. <laughs> you know, we all make right. all sorts of crazy decisions like these in the moment. You know, I regret <laughs> a lot of my career choices as well. Um, that actually it ties very beautifully in with what I was about to ask you next, which was what did you think you were getting into and how long did it take you to realize it wasn't the dream job most younger folks think it was? Wow. Um, that's an unbelievably good question. I would say it took me six months or so. Uh, I believe I could be recalling this incorrectly. I believe I was, I I believe I was hired as a holiday help, or it was, or it was during the summer. I, I can't remember the 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 reason why I I or or maybe like the when I started seeing the wall come down is <laughs> when you really start getting hampered for numbers. Like yeah. when they really are all about like subscription percentages and upselling, it's really not about suggesting games to people and helping moms find games. That's really like a month out of the year, like right. 11 out of the 12 months, you're really upselling and pushing subscriptions and products. Mm -hmm. And I would say like it, if, if I started there in 2010, I would say it all kind of came crashing down when I realized they really do not give a shit. Like even even when you sell well or you upsell really well, you're never going to get as many hours as you want. And you should not rely on this place to make any sort of living, even if you're a college student, because they don't give a fuck. And no store has any payroll. Actually, I want to talk about that for a second. Like every GameStop has a certain allo allotment of hours that they can give employees during the week. And at the store where I worked, they literally had like 89 hours a week they could give out total to all the employees. That's insane. So, so except for the store manager, those 89 hours had to be divvied up amongst multiple employees. So I think probably six months in or less than that, I started to realize they're not going to give anything back to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's I mean, it's it's good to know that because I mean, 
back then I like sent applications to a few game stops, like, you know, when I was like 17, 18 and, you know, it seems like the idea, like, oh, I like video games. Like, you know, I need a job, whatever. Um, but you know, pretty soon afterwards I had met some people who worked there and they were like, nope, you're not missing anything. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, so in that vein, um, when you first started, what was the team's day-to-day -day morale generally like? What affected it and did it deteriorate over time? Yeah, so what's what's interesting is my original crew or close to original crew is probably the best crew I ever had. And then it just kept getting worse. Like a great movie franchise. Yeah. <laughs> so like my friend Cheris helped me get the job. Um, and what happened was like we had her and I and we had another another friend named Jordan who worked there and we, that was a really nice crew. And, you know, we because we all kind of knew each other, we were, you know, it, we were kind of friends. So nobody took the job too seriously in terms of like numbers and really hampering down on on policy. I, I guess the right way for me to say it, it was a more comfortable place to work. Right. I also worked in a much smaller volume store. About a year or two later, I worked in one of the biggest volume stores in the state. We're in Massachusetts, by the way. Sort of when I had that original crew, I didn't have many hours, but I liked the crew. And I was a kid, you know, I was 18 or 19. So it didn't matter that much to me. But when I wanted to make a little more money and also our crew changed at that store and we had some real like fuckhead, like asshole <laughs> managerial staff come in, I I ended up making the move to a, to a store in the next town over that was a huge volume store so while i made a little more money with hours it just got more miserable and more miserable because the rat race of like money and dollars and subscriptions just gets worse so you know additionally you know i had a question in that vein about what the employee turnover was like yeah so the the employee turnover Believe it or not, was not that high because we had so f it, GameStop kind of has this mantra where if you don't want to work there, we'll find another kid to kick around. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So when I worked in that low vol, <laughs> when I worked in that low volume store, we had some longer tenured staff. What I see, what I tend to recall, is that. I had some upper managerial staff that would be there for a year at a time, nine months, you know, 18 months. And I didn't really think anything of it back then. Um, I, and in terms of the, the sort of the lower rung employees, like I was when I started, we didn't have many people on staff. Keep in mind, we didn't have like a roster of 15, 20, 30 people. There were like six or seven. Right. So the turnover when I was in my first store was pretty low. Um, I would say when I moved into the miserable store of when we had to really make money and sell product, that's when managerial staff turnover was higher because mm -hmm. the expectation for money got higher. But it, turnover wasn't as bad as you'd expect. I, I don't know what people think good or bad turnover is, but I, it's yeah. not like I had new managers every week or month. It was nine months, 12 months, 18 months or longer. Okay. That's, that's more than I expected. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm kind of um, surprised by that, actually. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you partially answered this earlier, but there's a little more to it. Maybe you'll have a little more to say. Um, did you believe everyone was being compensated fairly relative to comparable positions at other places? <laughs> were there opportunities for benefits and were they any good? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> so I, I remember I made, I think, eight, $8.75 at the grocery store next door. And GameStop hired me at uh, minimum wage was either eight or eight fifty. Some people out here listening are like, "Holy shit, minimum wage is only seven twenty five where I live now." Right. <laughs> but 
you know, high cost of living where we are. And dude, when I became a manager who worked 40 hours and had keys to the store, I made $10 an hour, dude. Like, and keep in mind, there is no commission system when I started working there. I could be wrong. No I shit. believe back in the day before I worked there, there was like a one or 2% commission system in place. But when I worked there from 2010 to 2015, it did not matter how much you sold, how well you did. You just kept your job. There was no commission at all. And I'm and keep in mind, you're, they're not even giving you as many hours as you want. You're getting like fucked at every turn. Like they did not give you any financial security whatsoever. Oh my god! Yeah, I was I was actually batting around the idea of whether you had a commission earlier. But um, okay, so the next question is also we're gonna kick it back to Nick. Uh, you've also kind of partially answered this, um, but again, there's there's a little bit you know different wording, so you may have a little bit more to say about it. All right, thanks, Beppy. Yeah, Greg, you already kind of answered this a little bit, so I'll reframe it. A little. This is from our friend Brian. Um, maybe aside from the game merching uh, perk, was there any other perk that you liked while working at GameStop? Sort of. Um, I had, I don't know, I, this wasn't a consistent perk, but I did have the opportunity to play a couple of games before they came out. Um, so I got to play, <laughs> I bet you'll laugh at this. I unfortunately got to play Dark Souls 2 before it came out. <laughs> I remember um, that. You were, yeah, you were so, pretty hyped about that. Yeah. So, I mean, but before we knew that it wasn't good, like, I, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, all, every Dark Souls fan was hyped before it came out. I got to play that four or five days before it came out. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like I was playing stuff months in advance. Um, Sony came in for a, a special, uh, the last of us, um, demo that was only being played at GameStop for employees so i remember that was either 2012 when did that game come out 2012 2013 something like that i remember I yeah i remember after closing one day um our sony sales representative came in and we i got to play a couple of hours of the last of us before it came out and i don't know who actually had access to that demo i think it was for gamestop staff only so um potentially you may have answered this a little bit but um aside from the demos of those really popular games, were you allowed to merch them before launch day as long as they weren't pre-ordered? This is also part of Brian's question. Okay, like was I allowed to take games home before they came out? Yeah, like Dark Souls yeah. 2. Could you, if there was a copy available, could you have merged it and taken it home? No. So the the thing about Dark Souls 2, I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit. As far as I can recall, um, I was never able to take a game home before the street date. Okay. Um, Dark Souls 2 is a different case where there is a GameStop store managers conference every year. I believe it still happens. They it, It's this big event where all the store managers meet up in a location. Sometimes it's at headquarters in Texas. I think it was in Nashville one year when I was there. I can't remember. And at those conferences, managers are given prizes. And some of those prizes are early games. And so Dark Souls 2 was one of those games. And uh, I wasn't at the conference, but we got a lot of prizes for our store. And one of the managers there gave his Dark Souls 2 early copy to me. So that's oh. the scenario where I was able to play it four or five days early. That's cool. Um, and I can't recall how many days it was. I got it before street date, and um, but it was a couple of days before launch. That's cool. So the last part of uh, of this question here, this is from uh, one of our fans from Instagram, Bizarre Tyler 92 uh, Were employees allowed to purchase new generation consoles at launch before customers? Yes and no. 
Um, so we were always given the heads up when a new serial number was going to be pre-orderable. Um, so Nick, I, you may remember this, like when we were get, I think at the end of my tenure there, we got some 3DSs that we were able to pre-order. I, yes. it was either, it was either the Yoshi or the Majora's Mask. I can't remember if I still worked there during the Majora's Masks, like super 3DS. I think I did. Yeah. Um, so we were able to get the, the, the heads up about when that was coming out. And so mm-hmm. we would we would be able to put our pre-order in as soon as it dinged at you know at, as soon as it became live that morning. That's cool. Um, so in terms of buying consoles early, we were given the heads up when it would become orderable, but we didn't have any other advantage besides that. Gotcha. Okay. As a follow-up, sort of, uh, did you feel like the early and free access? Uh, made you view games in a different light than the average consumer? Oh, that's a great question. Yes and no. Um, I guess I my my interpretation of the of the value of a video game i think decreased by that i mean monetarily (laughs) not like the value of it as an art form like please Mm. don't please (laughs) please don't hate (laughs) on me that's not what i mean because i got to play games for free for so many years that it just made 60 dollars look now 70 look even more expensive than it already was Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, I, w- I did get an employee discount. Um, I don't know if we have any questions about that. Um, I was given an employee discount on most things. So even when I would buy a game, I was still buying it at less than the consumer. So mm-hmm. I would say my interpretation of the value of a game in terms of money was different than, than most people. And I still have a hard time swallowing spending full price on a game because I think they're very expensive. It may have started there. That, yeah, for sure. Makes I mean, a lot of sense. I, like grow, growing up, like GameCube games were fifty, I think, and then yeah, they're yeah, exactly. Made the jump to sixty and so on. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Nick. You got a couple more for Greg. Yeah. All right. So this is from our friend Drew. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna be pretty funny. I think I already know the answer to this one. Do you feel like the sales metrics and attachment rates they gave you were realistic? Um, mostly no. Um, there's something to keep in mind. I was never in a situation where I was getting like, uh, what's the word? Uh, I was never in a situation where I was getting written up for poor performance. I, I could have happened once. I I don't remember. I was never really in that jeopardy. What I will say is GameStop, the way they, uh, track your percents, it's, it, it's really bizarre where let me give you guys a scenario. So GameStop was really big on subscriptions, whether they were paid with the Power Up Pro card or free with the free card. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone would come in and they did not have a card and they did not want one, that would lower my percentage. So what that meant, Jesus Christ. It, so what that meant, <laughs> so, so think about it like this. If a mom came in to buy a gift card and she didn't have a rewards card, I wouldn't want to do the transaction because my percentages would, would decrease. Because, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. yeah, because why would she want a rewards card? She's buying a gift card. And so keep in mind, GameStop <laughs> didn't give a shit about actual dollars. I should, ma- I should keep that, I should make, make that very clear. Where I worked, GameStop did not give a fuck about the mm-hmm. amount of actual dollars you made at the register. They cared about subscription percentages and used like used percentages, used dollars or trade in dollars. They did not give a fuck if I made fifty thousand dollars on a midnight opening. They want to know what percent of the percentage of those people had a had a paid rewards card. And if they didn't have one, it would lower your percentage. 
like if they walked away without one that's why it was unreasonable yeah that makes a lot of sense and that kind of feeds into another question we have here um this is from ryan um i think we uh you kind of answered this first part how to, how hard does upper management push the rewards program uh very high mm-hmm. um so he tells a story of when he worked at a kmart they basically didn't let you work the register unless 75 percent of your transactions were from rewards members or people that just signed up and people at kmart essentially had a database of fakes they would use to boost their numbers did anything like that happen at gamestop so faking re- uh, rewards accounts at gamestop is really hard mm. um because gamestop had a policy where you could not share cards uh, even though okay. occasionally brother or siblings or you know people in the same household would and they also had they had a really tight camera feed at this place so that was very hard to do and exa- mm. and i also could not do transactions for myself so i could just not put in a transaction for greg because i had a pro card like the mm. entirety that i worked there i couldn't just put myself in as a as a as the member shopping because i was not on camera shopping and you can't do a transaction for yourself because that is dinged in the system as as wrongdoing interesting interesting okay so if you were going to go buy something you either had to do it off your shift or during your shift you'd have to bring it to the register for someone else to bring you up yeah so um i could not uh have my rewards card in the system and also have my employee number put in for a for a discount because that would, be, that would be flagged interesting okay okay pretty cool all right um a couple more fan questions in here this is from uh from our twitter river alex 21 why are GameStop trade-in values always so comically low? Yeah, so this is probably one of the most made fun of things on the internet. <laughs> and the reason why trade values are so low, um, it's because it, it, trade values are based on the amount of copies of the game that GameStop has as a company. So it's it, it doesn't really matter like how many we have or... You know, it, it depends how many are in circulation, how many used copies and how many, because keep in mind, the stores can ship games in between each other. Like I, when I was a manager, I had to put boxes together of used games and send them to other stores when we had excess and they had few. So gotcha. trade in values are based on how many games or how many copies. I don't know the exact algorithm. It, it depends how many copies of that game GameStop has as a company in, in their used circulation. So that tends to be why it's so low because so many people get rid of Madden every year that they have millions, hundreds of thousands. That's why they're not worth anything. That makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, Roger asked uh, if they have a specific markdown percentage they use to calculate how little they pay you. Uh, for used game sellbacks. I'm not sure if you know the answer to that. It may just be related to what you just told us. Yeah, um, so I believe the answer to that is no. Okay. Uh, I think I could be incorrect. I believe the highest value I ever saw for a game that you would buy it and then trade it in the next day was either somewhere between 38 and $42. Mm, and I, I, could be, I could be misremembering because that you're, you're, if you were a pro member, you're given a 10% bonus. It's somewhere in the 30s. Um, there is something to keep in mind, though. This is where GameStop does really dirty shit, where <laughs> if GameStop ever has a promotion where if you trade these games in, we give you more money, we give you more trading credit. That's not true. 
What they do is they lower the trade-in value and then increase the percentage from the lowered value. So you think you're getting a really good trade-in value, you're actually getting about half of that. So here's what I here's here's what I mean. If a game trades in for a really high value, let's say 30 bucks, Mm -hmm. and then GameStop says, if you trade in this game, we'll give you 50% more. They're gonna lower the value to 25 and give you 50% on 25. Does that make sense? Where they will will manipulate their own trade in value to make you think (laughs) you're getting a really good deal, when in actual reality, you're getting a little bit of a good deal, but they lower the value. So so you're not really getting the the 50 on top of the max. Wow, that is pretty shitty. Pretty yes. scummy, actually. Yep. <laughs> Scum story number one has been uh, nice. Told. Yeah, is, yeah. I, I didn't quite uh, expect that. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So, likewise, um, can you talk at all about the pressure to upsell in general? And do you have any particular thoughts or feelings about the warranty slash insurance policy? I do. We're going to talk about scum story number two. Nice. Um, so every single time you keep in mind, I worked there from 2010 to 2015. We are in the Xboxes ringing your discs. Mm-hmm. Like we're in the scratching the shit out of your PS3 discs or, or whatever. Like we're in that era. And the thing, uh, how do I even talk about this? So uh, you were, uh, I, I shouldn't say forced. I mean, you were forced, but you know what I mean? Like you were a part of your protocol was you had to offer scratch protection on every disc and every cartridge. Oh my God. There here's scum story. Number two, I was in a situation during a holiday where we were extremely busy and we had, uh, you know, just people, just people needed games. There were people, big lines, people needed used product. And we had several games that were very scratch and I knew they were not gonna work. They were not gonna function. I had a manager who told me, sell people the scratch protection because they can get a new one anyway within a month and get them out the door, even though they knew it was not gonna work. Are you fucking kidding? Oh my God. No, I am not. Holy shit. <laughs> that was one of the first times I said to somebody, I think that's unethical and we should not do that. Oh, good for you for saying yeah. that. That is uh, extremely unethical. Uh, hello? Yep. Holy shit. And I cannot recall the extent of how bad the condition of those games were. It was, because as far as I can recall, you cannot just sell somebody a defective game because we have a defective stack or like a defective pile that's gonna be sent back to the warehouse. Um, But I cannot recall whether I was told to sell defective games with a warranty or I was told to sell these games that are definitely fucking defective, but they're not labeled that way and make sure they buy the (laughs) warranty because they can get a new one anyway. Oh, I mean, I mean, dude, we can talk about console warranties and shit, too. Uh Those are really bad. I mean, dude, like I remember Nick, Nick, I remember I told you this. I said, if you're going to buy a used console, buy the year warranty because it's going to break within a year because shitheads, shitheads or people who who are trading in their consoles because they're about to break, you're going to end up buying one of those. Yeah, remember we did it for my PS4. My controller yes. broke within a month. Yes. <laughs> I had a new one. <laughs> yeah, that shit is not tested, dude. Like, I'll say this. They are tested sort of. I don't want to go too far into this unless there's a question on it. So we have to test them on a very basic level to make sure they function and are resellable at a glance. Only if if, if consoles <laughs> are very beat up, we have to mark them as defective and the customer is given a smaller value and they are sent back to the warehouse to be repaired. Gotcha. Um, so that means if it was good at a glance, you could be buying a piece of shit. And <laughs> I'm serious. Like, oh it God. happens all the time. It happened to you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me. That's. I mean, this, this actually, this this part of it 
knowing what I do from my time spent in retail and manufacturing, this part does not really surprise me, but it's good to know just, just cause we've always suspected it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, it's a pretty good lead into this next question actually yes, it is. <laughs> from Devin. Um, so knowing this, what was the perception of GameStop as a retailer compared to the likes of Amazon, Walmart, Target, and others like it? And has that perception changed over time, for better or for worse? I'm thinking like, you know, with respect to video games especially, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, exactly. you know, Amazon is such a multi I have, I have some, thing. I have some tasty information for you I think you'll Ooh. find interesting. All right. So the answer to that question <laughs> is they are thought of lowly, and the second answer is no. Where... <laughs> Here's, this is very interesting. If, I don't know if you guys know this. GameStop is not given the best wholesale deal on video games, even though the perception what? of GameStop is that they are the video game retailer of the world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, stores like big box stores like Walmart and Target and Best Buy. I'm not sure if Best Buy is one of them, but you know you understand the idea. Mm -hmm. They are give they they buy games at a lower price than GameStop does to sell them. So mm -hmm. GameStop. So my employee discount. I believe was 15% and 15% oh. of 60 brings you to about $51. And that is right around the price that GameStop buys games for at wholesale. Oh. So GameStop, GameStop isn't spending five, 10, $15 on a game. They're spending a lot of money to carry video games, brand new games. And so the, I, I can only, I'm only speculating here on Devin's question. I can only imagine their reputation in the industry is low because their wholesale price is low. It, they, are, they have to pay more than other big box stores. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. That's fascinating. Yeah. I guess it, I mean, it, it provides a little insight maybe that, that these, that, you know, publishers or whatever expect to do better business in, in you know, Best Buy or, or Walmart or whatever. And it's so fascinating because anytime I go into those stores, the game selection is very low. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It really is. It's a handful of like, like two, three year old games and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But that's that's, that's fascinating. Here's a great question. <laughs> I am very proud of this one. How do you feel? Uh, this, it's a couple parts. How do you feel about the sheer number of locales they accrued? For example, two in most malls around us, I believe the Burlington Mall and the and the um, Pheasant Lane Mall both had two locations apiece. Um, and do you have any fond memories of stores before GameStop bought them out? Yeah, for sure. My answer to your question is I have no idea why they would have multiple stores <laughs> in the same location. Um, Beppy, to f actually uh, to expand on your question, there were three GameStops next to the Pheasant Lane Mall. Oh there my were gosh. There were, <laughs> keep, in mind, well, keep in mind, there were two in the mall and one across the street with the movie yes, theater. Yes, that's right. So there Good were point. three. Well, keep in mind, uh, two are closed now. There's only one. So we're going back to 2010 to 2015. I want to reiterate yep. that's when I worked there. So I, to answer your question, I have no idea. Um, well, I shouldn't <laughs> say no idea. GameStop bought EB Games and they bought Funko Land a long time ago. Yeah. And so Funko Land and EB Games just became GameStop. And I believe EB Games still exists in Australia. It does. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. So besides the buyout, I have no idea why they would do this. I think it's because <laughs> during the the 2000s and the you know the early 2010s, the volume of games that they accessories etc. that they sold warranted keeping those stores open purely because of volume and foot traffic. Um, I'm only speculating because I never worked at corporate. I have no idea why there were three within half a mile. I have no. Do you think idea. they just wanted to like <laughs> to like eat their competition? And it, even if it yeah. gave them a store that didn't profit, at least there wasn't a rival across the street. Pro I mean, I can only assume that. I mean, 
I, I the big thing about GameStop too is they want you to walk in with your games and trade them. Like, cause they, mm. they, keep in mind, everyone should know this. GameStop back in my day made all of their money on used product. They don't make shit on new products. Cause as I just said, GameStop spends about $50 a game to sell a $60 game. They don't make anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So for them to make, keep in mind, they make a hundred percent of the value on a used game. Like True. they aren't paying publishers, they aren't paying fucking anybody but themselves and the shit value they gave you to trade it in. <laughs> and keep in mind, you you probably took store credit, which you then went to buy more shit. So they yeah. offer more store credit than they do cash. Exactly. Yeah. So GameStop made all their money on used product, and I can only imagine that the amount of foot traffic back in those days and the amount of trade in traffic warranted keeping locations open. Beyond that, I don't know. That's fascinating because I I was trying to to figure it out in my head of of the the you know the reasoning behind doing that because in my opinion, I'm not condoning this practice, but the obvious <laughs> thing would would have been to buy out the location of whatever store. Usually, sometimes in in I believe in certain clauses, you can say that you can't open you can't reopen a new whoever you're acquiring it from can't open a new store within that area and then you are the only game in town and i have no idea like i mean i i I guess foot traffic sure but i had i just didn't see it why like that warranted that much (laughs) maybe they could have like paid people better if they had consolidated a little bit i mean if you if you flash forward to 2021 two of those stores are closed actually if if you give you spread out to 10 miles what five out of the six so i mean it's crashed heavily recently obviously not just because of gamestop but because of the rise of digital stuff but back in those days i have no idea beyond the buyout why they would do that i don't know yeah i mean they're not dunkin donuts they can't really afford to like cannibalize (laughs) themselves anymore no idea man Um, okay, so you actually just mentioned something that I was going to ask next. What do you think was preventing the company from more aggressive digital expansion? Um, probably the rise of the internet. And by that, I mean internet speeds and the capability of downloading. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so your question was what stopped GameStop from digital expansion? Perhaps like, um, you know, creating a, having the foresight to create a service of their own, like Netflix did when they jumped to digital media. Yeah. So, um, GameStop did it a little, um, what they, uh, Nick, I don't know if you remember this, you used to be able to go to a GameStop and buy a digital code for a game and it would be on a receipt. Yes, I, remember I do remember doing that. that in like the 2012s or so. But uh, Beppy, I really don't know um, <laughs> what, why GameStop did not expand into having a service of their own. Perhaps they missed the boat. Perhaps they had too much money invested in physical product and they couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But keep in mind, for a long time, GameStop was insanely profitable. Like it's only yeah. you know the past couple of years where you know it's really taken a nosedive. Why did they not have a streaming service? I'm actually trying to think back to if they even if they even did or tried. I, I mean, don't think because so. going to a store and getting like a ticket for a game is one thing, but I mean, just the convenience of just doing it in your own home, I think that would have would have helped them out. A I lot. really think it was outside factors where people are now very comfortable buying things on their couch and inputting yeah. codes because you know we went from iTunes to Apple Music, from you know and Spotify, and when you're on your console, like the Xbox Live exploded and it's an awesome network. PlayStation Network went from shitty to better. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's and a Nintendo's joke. there. Yeah, Nintendo's there. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what happened was just people got more comfortable buying stuff from home and downloading. Internet speeds got faster, got better. Streaming got more efficient. And GameStop did... Keep in mind, I don't know if you guys know this. GameStop did um, dive into other businesses. Like, I was a cricket store where we sold cricket Hmm. mobile memberships, like the cell phone. I actually remember that. 
Yeah. So we were a cricket store. So we GameStop did do other ventures. And keep yeah. in mind, for a long time, um, GameStop also sold iProducts, I- iPhones, iPads, that sort of thing. We sold used stuff in that regard, too. So they tried to get into other businesses, but just not that one. So I, I don't have yeah. a good answer for you beyond, I think the internet just overtook them. I think just um, basically what I was getting at is because they're very kind of, they're, all these practices you're kind of mentioning are very sort of cutthroat and very kind of a race to the bottom. So I'm just surprised they didn't kind of take the, the shortcut there that seemed to obviously present itself. Um, but so basically you are you are very gifted in, in uh, kind of, uh, predicting my questions here. Um, I have another one for you. Over the past few years, many of them have begun to allocate significant retail space or displays to peripheral accessories like Funko Pops and other such trinkets. Do you think this paradigm shift was in any way fruitful for the company? I would say, yeah, it's hard for me. Well, let's keep in mind, I don't, I don't work there anymore. I don't know yeah. what the... I, according to the profit lines, probably not because they're, they're tanking. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe GameStop bought ThinkGeek. Uh, yes. I believe they own ThinkGeek or they are at least a collaborate or a, uh, what's the word, a merger. Yeah. Um, and get, well, it's the same thing as Newberry Comics, man. I mean, you and I love Newberry and um, places like that. New, uh, Newberry, uh, our friend uh, Victoria said this, Newberry Comics became a stuff store where mm-hmm. you didn't buy CDs and vinyl in, the ne- in there. You bought stuff. Like yes. you bought collectibles and plushies. And instead of GameStop going digital, honestly, it was probably a bad, it was probably just bad foresight um, or future site, I should say, where GameStop went into the stuff store mindset like Newberry. And I don't work in the any work there anymore to comment on profit margins, but it's not good. So I can, <laughs> o- I can only say that it didn't work. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, imagine they had, they had bought out Newberry comics. That's a bleak timeline that I'm Ouch. looking at. <laughs> I was going to say in a similar vein, uh, you mentioned think geek. So if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, jump ahead to a question that someone has asked about their acquisition of think geek while we're on the topic. Uh, Roger says, uh, very succinctly why did they ruin think geek what happened wow why <laughs> why why did gamestop ruin something don't ask the internet that they ruined everything <laughs> um, why did Ga- answer. i mean yep. why did gamestop ruin thinking money profit lines the, the games i mean gamestop was tanking they were losing money year over year and you try to get into another venture and you try to maximize profit Right. And I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about the, the economics of, of brick and mortar retail. I'm not there anymore. So why did GameStop ruin ThinkGeek? They ruined fucking everything. Like it, it, GameStop is your GameStop is probably one of your least favorite stores on planet Earth. That's why we're fucking recording this. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're not I, don't have, I honestly I only have speculative speculative answers. I don't know. OK, um, well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my mind. Um, so, um, when we're talking about uh, the retail space, um, for what I can remember, GameStop has only ever offered games from the two most recent console generations at a time. What was stopping them from dealing in older games like some of the independent stores we frequent? And did it maybe have something to do with the inability to ensure a product so old? So, uh, when this is interesting. So, when I started working there, we, I believe, I, I got to get my timeline right. I think, I believe I worked at GameStop at a time where, where we had PS4, PS3, and dwindling PS2. Right. Um, so, what, what ended up happening was the bigger stores took over all of the, the, what they call legacy product, PlayStation, essentially it was PlayStation 2. And I worked in, when I worked in that very large volume store, we had, um, in the back, we had drawers of PlayStation 2 and PSP stuff. We, we had it. 
Mm-hmm. And that didn't leave the store until several years into my tenure. Um, I can only imagine that during those times, GameStop didn't find it profitable. I don't know. I'm not. Well, also Xbox 360 and PS3 were doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't have a good answer for you other than when I worked there, GameStop's, it wasn't like none of them sold PlayStation 2 stuff. Oh, they, they brought it all to the biggest volume stores and they sort of consolidated it so they didn't have inventory. Mm-hmm. I think what happened was shipping those games back and forth to stores uh, outweighed the cost of what those games could bring them in money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously if you're shipping stuff between stores, it costs you shipping money. And I think the value of those games was so low uh, to them that they stopped doing it. Um, I can tell you now GameStop, when I left, got back into legacy product. Like you can buy old stuff now. On, uh, specifically in their online store and oh, for a, and, and since 2015 they experimented with bringing some legacy stuff back into stores only certain ones so legacy stuff has been something GameStop has almost flirted with since I worked there mm-hmm. but keep in mind when I worked there PS2 wasn't quite legacy 2010 to 2015 was I, it was PS3 era early PS4 I worked in a store where we still dealt it and a very cute story I have is there was always an, old, an older woman who would ask me if I had the PlayStation 2 tapes. Like, she would call them, like, VHS tapes, even though oh, they're clearly discs. Awesome. Yeah. She would say, where it. are the tapes? The PlayStation 2 tapes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say this, too. It actually, them carrying PS2 product was more beneficial to me because I got some rare shit like Haunting Ground for, like, a dollar because yeah. GameStop devalued it so low. But that's all I can say. That's crazy. I feel like over time, maybe there's there's been more of a demand to get back into maybe some missed, you yeah, know, probably. if people missed it back then or whatever. Um, so moving on in your career here, how did your managerial responsibilities compare with being a typical associate? How long did it take you to achieve that promotion? And what do you believe made you an ideal candidate? <laughs> Dude, it fucking it's sucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> like thousand yard stare going on. Here. Yeah. So. So I'll say that GameStop kicked me around for a couple of years. Like I was always shit on as an employee, like um, where, you know, I wouldn't get the hours that I wanted, disrespected as fuck. The biggest problem with GameStop is the culture of losers. And that's, I mean that wholeheartedly. Like, um, like to anybody listening to this that I, and I worked with you, like, you know who you are. Like, you, you know, you know that you mistreated people. Yeah. And it took me years to become a GameStop key holder and it's not fucking worth it because I went from like eight seventy five to $10. Right. But I mean, the reason why it was quote unquote worth it is you get full-time hours and you actually get realistic payroll to survive. Um, and I really can't tell you why I was never promoted. I, I don't know. It's, it's the culture of losers, man. Like you, <laughs> sure. you're trained by losers. Those people are for the most part, this is no disrespect for the few people that I like who work there or, or no longer. It, you know what I mean? These people, they, they don't care about you. They're out for themselves. They have nothing going on in their lives. They don't want to promote you. They want to benefit their themselves and their numbers and scrape by because there's nothing else for them. And so they're, they're just your typical bullies. You know, whatever, whether you encounter them in school or in real life, like I was shit on for years at that well, job um, and I was finally promoted. I was I'd be honestly good because I, I probably would have. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have quit sooner, but I, it's hard to say what were my qualifications. I mean, none because I was too nice and I was very pro consumer and fuck GameStop when I worked there. Like I, I remember <laughs> I remember um, shout out to like one of my managers who I won't name because I who I really liked. 
I had a, I had a, I had a year, I had a year uh, review with him one year, and he said, "Greg, I've never encountered somebody so pro customer and so anti company who still works here." Great quote. I must make you feel proud. Yeah, you, Matt, you walk that tightrope. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't take that back. Like, it's, it's built on a culture of losers and getting kicked around, and that's all there is there. I'm surprised they didn't fire you after you said, "Hey, that's not ethical." Yeah, I mean, right. dude, we were making fucking millions of dollars a year. They didn't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> certainly not a, uh, a unique, um, you know, sort of position to be in. Several other chains and and uh industries kind of people go through the same thing so hopefully they'll they'll take some uh solace that there's people like you out there so i have i'm coming into my last uh sort of serious question here what was it like to work midnight events because i <laughs> and I, I have a i have a very clear sort of vision of i feel like if you were scheduled for that you would have to psych yourself up maybe you go to like five guys or something just to like you know get the ball rolling there tell me about that there was a five guys next to one <laughs> there of my is locations. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so midnight events, all I have to say are Papaginos and Dunks. Like that's Ooh. so what? So essentially, we would get pizzas from Papaginos. We would get the donuts at the end of the day from Dunkin' Donuts uh, before those companies stopped that policy. And I'll tell you, at the beginning of my career, it was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, where uh, you know, I did a couple of iconic ones. I was there for Skyrim. Uh, I was there for GTA Five. I was there for a couple of Call of Duties. There for new consoles. The culture. You know what's so funny? I feel like my most like raunchy moments at midnight events were when I went there as a customer and not as an employee. Like you know, <laughs> like my visions of people getting kicked out and being intoxicated were when I was a kid. Like it wasn't when sure. I worked there. Um, so I mean, honestly, like when I had my good crew in my way early career, they were kind of fun. We it was a little pizza party, and also keep in mind we were a small volume store. We'd get twenty people to come in, and we'd have fun talking about the new release, and I'd go home. Later in my career, when I was in like a million upon million volume store, and I had lines out the door, and it was fucking awful. Like <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I psyched myself up as much as you just get over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, and it's you know, and also keep in mind, it's not like I'm, I, I, I was paid no overtime at GameStop. There was no time and a half. I was like, gonna ask that you didn't really. No, there was no overtime. There's no time and oh. a half. Like there was no bonus pay. I'm there till fucking one, two, three in the morning, whatever it was, because I had to be there. So yeah. you were not rewarded at any point. So blah blah blah. Early in my career, it was fun because you know it was a small store and the big store was awful. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So we are going to move on to some fun questions to lighten it up a little bit. Uh, most of these are going to be Nick. Uh, some some fan and friend questions. I think I have a couple in there. But Nick, why don't you just take it away? All right. I'm pretty excited for these questions. We're going to get some pretty good stories out of these. All right. This first question is from our friend Casey. Now, what was your mismatched or oddest asked purchase from a person at a glance? For example, some big burly biker dude coming in asking for a Nintendogs or someone asking for Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball or something like that. Who's was the most mismatched yeah. ask? Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, oh, no. I have, I, have two, <laughs> I have two very different stories. But I, I feel like one of these is going to get answered. So I'll just talk about a... <laughs> I'll talk about a funny one where um, I had a I had a for remember I worked in a store where we did other stuff iPod speakers other products there was a guy who <laughs> this oh, no. is going to get slightly x-rated but it's pretty funny <laughs> so this guy came in and he asked me if I had speakers that were loud enough to cover up human screams 
Uh, and, he, he, asked, he asked me because he said when he was in intimate scenarios, the person he was being intimate with was very loud and he wanted to cover them up. He wanted to cover up the sounds of intimacy with speakers. And what was, and, and there's actually a part two to this. He ended, the police ended up coming in and arresting him because he stole speakers from the Walmart next door. <laughs> so, what? So I, I honestly Christ, think dude. he was trying, he was trying to distract me while they stole something, but he got arrested. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I love that. Uh, okay, so wait, um, did you have a second one? You said this. Yeah, this is. Oh. I I just have a feeling there's going to be a question about bad customers I had, so I kind of uh, want to answer it later. Is that coming? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'll save it. Yeah. All yes. right. Um. So this one, <laughs> what you may said may also cover this question. This is from Brian. But what is the oddest question a customer has ever asked you? I mean, it was that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. I want to say this in the, in the most like sensitive way possible. Oh, I had a, p <laughs> I, I, dude, I have so many of these. I could go on for so long. Like what you asked me, what was the weirdest ask I ever got? Yeah. Yeah. I had a police officer come in and he told me they were on the lookout for a suspect who bought Grand Theft Auto 5 and he was a male under the age of 30. And so what I said okay. to him was, that's all of our clientele. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does not narrow it down in the slightest. Really I, said, I said, that is not narrow this down at all. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I get great. so many customer questions. I, that honestly just popped into my brain because I, I had to laugh. But. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of uh, potentially shitty customers, this is from our friend Joel. Did you ever have to deal with any Karens? And if so, how did you handle it? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I was at... <laughs> I was in a scenario where you guys will laugh your ass off. Oh, there no. was a customer who pre-ordered. <laughs> I'll, I'll always remember this. There was a. <laughs> there was a. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to get through some of these. <laughs> there was a customer who pre-ordered a copy of W. Uh, excuse me. They pre-ordered. We have to be very specific. A customer pre-ordered the strategy guide for WWE 2K14. Oh my God. <laughs> so number one, why would you pre-order the strategy guide for WWE? And keep in mind, we only got one. We got one in for this lady. And I feel okay. so bad. I was a manager at this time. I feel so bad. I had this, this little college kid who sold it to someone else. Like he sold this <gasps> lady's pre-order. Oh no. And so she, so essentially she came in very upset that we sold her guide for WWE. <laughs> and so, and so she called and she said, she was very upset and I said, you know, hey, this is Greg speaking and she said, Greg, <laughs> you, Greg, you sold my copy of my WWE strategy guide and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, you sound like a real bitch to me, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. I wonder oh what God. she's doing nowadays. Probably, probably fine. <laughs> Probably. I mean, Sounds like dude, a I, I had another one where like, I probably, I probably misspoke and I like, I shouldn't have said this. Oh, no. <laughs> like I did anyway. <laughs> there is this one guy who said he was interested. You guys remember 
those like little on the Xbox 360 you could buy those little mini keyboards that would that would oh, yeah. fit in that would fit into your microphone slot almost like a little cell phone keyboard so you could type letters easier instead yeah. of using the menu there's this guy that came in like during like the end of my tenure like 2014 he said do you have an Xbox 360 <laughs> keypad I said no why do you want one they're useless <laughs> <laughs> because like at the end of that era like it's so easy to type in like numbers and letters in these new menus and i shouldn't say shit like that but like, i feel like at the end of my career i got i got kind of belligerent about stupid customer questions but no offense to anybody who likes those but i think they're stupid but you can ask me the next question this next question uh is was actually asked by two of our fans from Duncan and another one from uh, River Alex 21. Um, do you have any other insane customer stories you'd like to share? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I have so many. I, really, there are really a top three here. I mean, I don't want to go on forever. We have to talk about the porn pod probably oh, first God. and foremost. I even remember this one. So my, my probably my most infamous stories are probably porn pod and snowstorm 360. Those are probably my most infamous. So, so porn pod, um, shout out to one of my friends who's definitely going to know what I'm talking about. So I apologize to her if I'm misremembering this at all. So back in the first store that I worked in, when we first started taking iPod products, we got, we got an iPod video in trade and um what? and so we we have to delete everything off the iPod. And so we were looking through this iPod to delete all the data and there were some videos on this iPod and it wasn't your typical pornography that you would just find on a website. It was especially Uh-oh. it was especially funny because the person in the videos was the person at the counter. And so, oh my God. so there was homemade pornography on this iPod. And so we ended up taking it in and trade. But during those times, like you, you couldn't have a passcode on your iPod or else you couldn't delete the data. So as far as I could remember, no. we had to call this person back and say, we were unable to delete your pornographic content because you passcoded your iPod. And so this man didn't come back in. A woman came back in. And all I'll say is we knew it was the right customer because she also starred in the video. <laughs> man, what a coward. He just, he just made her come in. <laughs> um... I mean, that's a really, really funny one. Um, wow. My, I mean, my, I have probably, I only have a handful of wholesome stories. Oh, I, I, I met the cake boss yes, uh, dur- right. during, during Black Friday one year, like, you know, Buddy, what's his name? Buddy v- Valestro, Valest, what is it? He came in during the launch of the Wii U. He was doing a concert at a venue uh, near where I worked. And he came in and nobody knew who he was except for me because my friend John and I, who was recently on our podcast, we were obsessed with Cake Boss. Keep in mind, this was like 2012. So like, don't make fun of me that I like Cake Boss in 2021. (laughs) It was like nine years ago. I remember he came in and I said, holy shit, that's Buddy. He walked up to me. He said, hey, kid, here's my American Express black card. Go buy whatever my kid wants. And so he handed me his credit card and I walked his kid around the store and he bought two or three thousand dollars worth of product Holy and I, shit. I remember and i remember um my manager was like what the hell are you doing why do you have a customer's credit card i said shut the fuck up it's the fucking cake boss 
He said, who the fuck is the cake boss? Oh, no. What does it sound like, man? Yeah. And so that happened. The boss but of I mean, cakes. I mean, before, that's really more wholesome. Blah, blah, blah. I called my friend John. Buddy wished him a Merry Christmas. It was very wholesome. That's so nice. And so my other funny story, this is all speculation, but Ooh. this is Snowstorm 360. Keep in mind, this is all speculation. Back in those days, we had to be very careful when we traded in Xbox, uh, when customers traded in Xbox 360s. You had to be very careful, number one, they're not red ringed. Number two, you had to be very careful that the Xboxes were not opened and tampered with. Xbox 360s had a tamper seal. Um, so if the tamper seal was removed, you could not take the system in and trade. So this guy was very odd. He came into the store and he was very frenetic. Like, I need to trade in my console. I need to do it quickly. I need cash. You kind of know where this is going. And so people would trade in stolen shit all the time, like you know, all the time. And so I remember him handing me this Xbox and keep in mind at this time, there was some, there's some rumor mill going around that people were hiding drugs and paraphernalia in consoles. So, um, I, I need, when you do a trade, you need a lot of information, you need a license, you need an email address, you need a phone number. And I remember I looked at this Xbox the things in bad shape, but you know, I have to take it in and he, and so I saw that, you know, the tamper seal was broken. And so I asked him, you know, hey, I need an email address, you know, for this product. And he said, it's Snowstorm 360 or something like that. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've hid his, his true email address here. But I call this this story Snowstorm 360 because a reference to cocaine was in his email address and the <laughs> tamper seal was broken on his Xbox. And so I had to tell him I have to reject his console because I believe he has opened it and tampered with it. Because <laughs> there's so, cocaine in your Xbox. Yeah, I can't, I, can't t I can't tell him that I think there's cocaine in your console. Like, I can't say that to him, but I had to very gently remind him that your console is open and I can't take it. Oh, uh, sir. <laughs> I, sir. Yeah, sir. And like, you know, I have so many stories I could tell, but those are probably the main three. Oh, that's great. That's, that's dope. All right. Um, here's uh, one more fan question here. This is from James. What was the wildest video game release you ever had to work? Oh, what was the wildest video game release I ever had to work? That's a really good question. Like the wildest midnight opening? It could be a midnight opening. Yeah. It was either Skyrim or GTA Five. Um, yeah. And they, they were actually it's it, probably it's probably pretty pretty expected for for Skyrim. I remember we didn't get many pre-orders, maybe twenty, but we had. I was in the small store, and we had probably two hundred people in there, and it was a kind of a cool time before we realized Skyrim wasn't very good. Uh, everyone was like, <laughs> everyone was. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is 2011, where everyone was like really excited for it to come out. We, you know, we had like 10 or 12 pizzas there. We had the donuts rolling, and um, that was more of like more of like a fun time. GTA 5, you kind of get the the. I don't want to say I don't want to say the lowest common denominator of gamer, but the lowest <laughs> common denominator of gamer. It sure. comes to GTA 5. I, there, I, honestly, the craziest minute release I ever went to was when I was a kid. Like when I went to Halo 3 when I was like 12. How was I? 13. I can't even remember when it came out. The 13 or 14, that was the only time I saw someone who was intoxicated get kicked out. That That's was the awesome. only time. That's but awesome. I really don't have I don't have a crazy story for a midnight release, just that they were very busy and the Skyrim one was fun before we realized we didn't like it. But that was really <laughs> it. 
that's that's what life is all about, man. That's right. Um, I have one of my own here. Uh, did you ever find yourself inundated with a particularly poor selling game? And what's the fastest price drop you've ever seen? Duke Nukem Forever. Or was it Duke Nukem? <laughs> or what, what, what was the what was yeah, the Xbox yeah, 360 one? Is that Duke Nukem that was Forever? It. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, it's got to be that. Um, where I that was probably one of the only games where I was given a directive by a store manager to take it in as defective and give refunds in store credit. Holy even though they shit. were they were opened. They're just I, bad. I, I don't think I've ever been directed to do that. Uh, where it was so bad that we had, you know, nine or twelve people the next day or within the next hour saying, like, you need to take this back. <laughs> Um, oh my God. The fastest, it's got to be that. That jumps out to me immediately. It was the only time I was, I've ever been given a directive to give people their money back. Wow. Is that game like unplayable? I forget. I don't know the lore about it. I don't remember it. whether it reviewed so poorly or it was unplayable. Um, I can't remember. I, I occasionally like would help people out if they really hated something. Beppy, I helped you, I remember, I think once, once or you twice. Sure did. Um, <laughs> You might have to delete that, though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we'll keep that. We'll keep that as vague as that is. Um, so I, that's really the only time I help people out occasionally with Listen, stuff like Destiny that. Destiny sucked at launch. I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sucked. Um, occasionally, like I, I could help people out. That was one where we had more than one. It was several. So, um, speaking of memes, this one's from Kyle, and uh, you have said you have a story about this. But uh, hey. Do you guys have battle toads? Yeah, so I have a story about this. The one time, the one time we were ever instructed to call the police on somebody is when they would prank call with battle toads. That's I insane. Mean, I never did because I thought it was funny. But like, I actually had this one kid. This is fucking awesome. I, oh, no. I absolutely adored this. There was this little kid who had the guts to come. He didn't call. He came up to the counter. He was nine or ten. He said. Do you have Battletoads? And I, <laughs> keep in mind, this is this is before Battletoads got re-released on the Xbox One, and it and it, it stopped being a prank call because we'd actually have it, um, <laughs> which I guess is funny within itself. Um, so the Battletoads thing was a prank call that was very common at GameStop. We were instructed to to, to threaten people with police action. I never did that. I didn't give a fuck. But like that 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 one kid probably stands out. He had some real some real guts. Good for him. Good for him. All right. So uh, this next fan question here is from James. This you may have mentioned this with uh, Mr. Snowstorm 360, but what is the most illegal thing you've seen while working at GameStop that you can talk about? Most illegal thing. The most illegal thing, like somebody would trade in stolen shit. The most illegal thing, like I think people at my store acted poorly. Whichever you think is the most illegal. Whatever fits that better. Yeah, whatever I mean, fits it better. Just a think. clear like breaking of the law. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I was in a store where we, we had so many people <laughs> just steal shit from Walmart and sell it oh to my us. God. I remember. I remember, I remember. This is a really, really good one. I don't quite remember what happened. <laughs> But it was like, it was like 8.45 or uh, we closed at nine. I remember I had one customer in the store, but slowly these guys in suits and ties came in and they were kind of browsing, but I didn't think they were browsing. And one of them came up to me and said, when, when do you close? Because that guy over there just stole a couple hundred dollars worth of merchandise from Mar Walmart. We're about to arrest him. Oh, shit. So he said, don't let him out. We're going to arrest him. And so, Holy shit! So, don't let him out. Don't let him out. Know, like, oh, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like nothing. But you know what I mean? Like he wanted me to try yeah. to keep him in the store. 
And so, what's the most elite? That's really, I'm trying to think. Besides that, where blah, 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 they ended up arresting him. I saw him get carted out of the store, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, the most illegal thing, honestly, it's just speculation. Like, I had holiday hires who stole games out of the, out of the, uh, out of the handheld game case because they weren't in boxes and they just never came back to work. Mm. You know, things like that. I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the most worst thing was probably the sell people games be, and even though you know they're defective and sell them warranties. Mm -hmm. I would say that's probably one of the most unethical things I've seen. Illegal, people got arrested in there all the time, so I don't, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> all the time, huh? That's awesome. Um, yeah, I have, I have a, uh, another fun question for you. Uh, just to kind of, uh, it's been a pretty bleak uh, podcast here. So <laughs> I've had a really good time. <laughs> You know, it's as, as you'd expect. I'd like to ask you if you have any especially fond memories you have of your old coworkers you'd like to share. Wow, that is so wholesome. <laughs> Do I have especially fond memories with my coworkers? Some especially fun moments that I had were probably when um, I, back in my first store, I would talk very fondly with uh, my, my old crew about like, I was talking with this one, um, one of my friends named Jordan who worked there and he was telling me how he just, he, he, he had such a hard time with this new game called demon souls. And he had a hard time <laughs> like um, getting through the Boletarian palace, the first level. And it kind of sparked my interest in getting dark souls. Oh. So I kind of remember that fondly talking about the first level of that. I really think my most fond memories were the occasions where parents would come in and say, I don't know what to get. My kid likes this. Tell me what to get. Mm -hmm. There were occasional moments like that where I could suggest games. Um, the most wholesome moment, it was probably Cake Boss, where I yeah. had a moment where he actually, I asked him, would you take my cell phone and call my friend John and wish him Merry Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> and he did it, you know, in his accent, he's like, hey, John, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's awesome. Cake Boss. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's that was awesome. nice. I would say it's probably that. If I'm misremembering any, I'm sorry, but... Um, it was a and pretty the midnight fucking, events too, right? It was a pretty Those fucking are... bleak, bleak jobs. So. Yeah, that's true. How <laughs> <laughs> much to say? All right. Um, now the final of our fun questions part. I have been waiting to ask this one. Uh, our friend Devin, he posted a picture of two what looks to be Domino's pizza slices in a GameStop used accessories bag. Now, can you confirm or deny pizzas being in bags? And do you think GameStop would sell pre-owned pizza for $14.99? <laughs> so... Maybe that's question, you're talking about. Yeah, so I, I can only get close to this. Um, I have never seen pizza sold in a bag for any amount of money. I have seen somebody take pizza slices and literally eat them off the dirty rug and carpet in the floor. And I had to ask, I had to ask him to take his Papaginos off the rug. Like, oh, that's my podcast. Yeah, that's, I mean, besides, store, besides porn pods and pizza on the rug, I think, I think that's the closest I've got to pizza and bags. That's all I've got. Fascinating. Excellent. <laughs> okay, so that was the the final fun uh, final fan question. Yes. So we're gonna we're just gonna wrap it up here with your thoughts on a, a couple current events. So number one here, uh, did you hear much about the brief tenure of Reggie from Nintendo at the company? No. Um, all I know is he was on what the board of directors for what what a year or yeah, something less than that was recently. I don't know anything about it other than he was there. Um, who took it over? It was the guy from Petco. 
took over yeah, his position recently, so. right? I don't know anything about his tenure there, honestly, <laughs> other than that it happened. So I, I have to pass. Okay. Yeah, it's. I, I was just curious because it was it was a really interesting career move for him, and and evidently he couldn't he couldn't save him. <laughs> if Reggie can't save you, man, I think you're just you're fucked. Yeah. You're dead in the water. God, um, I do remember one thing that I got in trouble for. It had to do with, with the board of directors. Oh, oh no. damn! I laughed my ass do? off. There, there. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I shouldn't even repeat this. I will. I'll make it as nice as possible. Oh, no. We got this. Keep my GameStop was fucking bleak and they treated us like shit. So I don't think I'm too much of a dickhead. Okay. <laughs> so we got this like company email that was supposed to be really sad that like somebody in the way higher up in the corporate of GameStop like was ill and had to step down. Like it was like a, like a bad disease. I remember reading it and I just said to my manager, thank God. Like, <laughs> 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 oh my god. <laughs> oh, I remember this moment. That was, that was a pretty bleak time. But oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you, awesome. you knew he was only going to be replaced by someone worse, but uh, yeah. that's true. <laughs> who knows? Um, so, okay. Uh, a, a current event, which we've actually addressed oh, previously on the show, um, <laughs> but I'd like to, you know, just reiterate. Did the essential business HDMI cable scheme surprise you during the pandemic last year? <laughs> absolutely that level not. of depravity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not. No, absolutely not. Um, that did not surprise me in the slightest. GameStop would go up until death's door to not close, like to not close their, their stores. During God, you know, we live in Massachusetts, so we get feet upon feet of snow. Yeah. And I only remember the store closing early two or three times in the four or five years that I worked there. And it doesn't, what, dude, you think GameStop would close because of Corona, dude? And you think, you think they would lie <laughs> about being an essential business? You think they wouldn't lie? They were all about just making scummy dollars the entire time. Come on, man. That's not a real question. That's a fucking rhetorical question. <laughs> of course they chose to be scummy. Of course they did. Of course they I chose guess, to be douchebags. I guess for me, it was when they were, you were hearing stories about them sending their employees to negotiate with police officers who were shutting them down. And I was like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, they're doing a lot worse than I thought because they're. <laughs> like doing literally anything to keep these open. Well, I mean, dude, it's really GameStop paranoia where every day you were afraid you were going to lose your job and get replaced with somebody who thinks they want it. I'm not surprised that they That's did. That's very true. Like that. Very true. Um, similarly, were you taken aback when they made the news again because of the Wall Street bets incident? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm so fucking mad I didn't have any stock when I was a manager. <laughs> Like, what a way to fucking stick it to them, right? By becoming a millionaire off their fucking penny stock. Oh, that'd be great. Um, no, I didn't own any stock. I cannot believe this happened and is still happening. Congratulations to every employee who put it up their ass. Like, <laughs> like who put it up GameStop's ass and became millionaires or or, or made hundreds of thousands of dollars. Good for you. I'll, I'll, full disclosure, I did not own any GME stock. I never bought into a stock option, unfortunately. Is that like still uh, at like $200 now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. Jesus pretty, Christ. Pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so I guess with that in mind, my final question, the final question of the whole interview is what do you think the future of video game retail will look like? Uh, nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, yeah, correct. <laughs> I, I really think it's going to go all digital. It's all going to go. It may even go all streaming because Xbox Game Pass is doing really well. It's going to continue to do well as exclusives come on at day one. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if everything went the way of Netflix. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, did any of us make fun of Netflix 15 years ago when it was $7 to watch movies and mm-hmm. television and now it's this gigantic enterprise and has a bunch of competitors? Like, I I think everything's think Stadia going, could be that? I Didn't Stadia go out of business? Didn't they stop it, making games? I, I'm pretty sure they're still going, right? I Sorry think it was the very, Google Stadia thing. Yeah, Google Stadia. Yeah, I think, I think they just closed their only developer. Did they? Oh, oh no. <laughs> I think they just did. Oh, shit. I mean, I don't wanna, it was I kind don't of bad sp- news to begin with. So it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going entirely towards streaming. Uh, we're going to go entirely towards... Um, if you're not buying games digitally, you're streaming them via platforms like Netflix and Xbox Game Pass, etc. I don't know what lifeline there is for legacy games. Maybe that'll continue. Um, I really don't know. Um, I'm really just speculating. But I, that's really the most uh, professional answer I could give because I don't have any insider information. Got it. Yeah, I think um, I think my feelings were I hope uh, in their in their stead since you know they're closing sh- up shop one by one. Um, I, I guess my vain hope is that we see a little bit more of of independent uh, game stores like the one we we know and love, which we hope to talk about very soon. Yes. Um, we hope there's more of those in the pipeline um, because the the atmosphere is just. The, the difference is unparalleled because you walk into GameStop and you know you're, you're just there as like let's get out as soon as possible yeah <laughs> it's not even an inviting place it's awful no, it's I was not. I was thinking because we were just we were just asking about um, positive memories of previous before they were acquired and I was thinking about how how much I loved going to EB Games as a kid and I'm sure they had their own problems but it's like it, it just you could tell and then it wasn't just them it was it was another three in within a certain situation like it was the GameStop, it was EB Games and a store called Software, etc., which I think it was up and down the East Coast a little bit. And GameStop bought them all out. And it, it just like it's such a fucking like stale, you know, just very there's no identity to any of it. It's just like it's it's just emblematic of the singularity that we're approaching across all all industries. It really is. Um the way but, to put uh, it. Yeah, that's that's all we got, and um, thank you, Greg, for your informative answers um, um, and amazing stories. It's yeah. been one of the most fun for me. I don't know Absolutely. how you guys. <laughs> thank, I hope I was informative. Um, I just want to make sure everyone knows who's listening. I worked there from 2010 to 2015. Uh, these are not comments on GameStop's current practices because I don't know what they are. Um, and I hope, uh, I, um, have been informative and, um, GameStop, it was fucking bleak work in there, man. Um, I hated it. Um, I did get to play a lot of games for free. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. So, um, so I think this is going to do it for this episode of Goddamn GameCube. So thank you, Beppy and Nick, for interviewing me. That was really fun. Um, <laughs> and the fans and then, for uh, sh- showing us all their questions. They submitted yeah, a lot thank, of really thank good you stuff. To, thank you to, we got so many questions. What did we get? It was great. It was 20, like 20 more than some- that? 20 something questions something like yeah. that it was great yeah, so re- really appreciate it i hope we were able to get to most of them if not all of them and we'll see you guys next time on goddamn gamecube thank you